joined by C.J. Lamaster. He is out of um, WLBT in Jackson, Mississippi. C.J., thanks for joining us today. Uh, from what we understand, it seems like, and this has been covered at a national level, and you've done a great job investigating it there in Jackson, Mississippi. Water is undrinkable. At least we believe that's the case in Jackson, Mississippi. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, you are right. In fact, uh, there had been some degree of debate as to how undrinkable, if there is such a thing to say, Sure. Uh, because the city has been under a boil water alert now. Uh, this is uh, for all of the surface water customers, which is about a little over 100,000 people uh, across the capital city. There's 150,000 plus that live here. So, uh, you know, two thirds that are affected at this point. But uh, we had actually been told, uh, again, that boil water alert was because of the possibility of contamination and to boil your, wa your water. But when Governor Tate Reeves actually addressed uh, residents here yesterday, he made the uh, assessment that raw or untreated water was going through the lines. Uh, and of course, that was, let me I'm get my days confused, that was Monday night. The uh, mayor of Jackson, uh, Shokwe Antar Lumumba, came forward and said, that's actually not the case. They don't believe any untreated water came out. But suffice it to say, you've got areas of the city uh, that have brown water. Sometimes it's looking a little green. You have some areas that don't have any pressure because of the geography of Jackson, the capital city, about 116 square miles. And so areas like South Jackson, uh, this city of Byron, which is 11,000 people that's on Jackson's water system, those areas that are south of, I guess, what would be the center point of the city, are higher uh, in elevation. And so it takes more pressure to get that water uh, up to those locations. They're usually the first ones to be affected anytime there are pressure drops uh, in the system. But of course, this is something we've been dealing with for some time. We've had water issues in the city. Oh goodness, I've been a reporter here for nine years uh, and we've had them at least as long as I've been here as far as the occasional boil water alert or something happening. But this is on a different scale. This is what we're talking about, a, a, uh, in, in essence, a system collapse, the uh, imminent uh, collapse, if you will, or, or possible collapse of the main water treatment plant, the OB Curtis plant, that provides water for all of these uh, surface water customers. CJ, does this come after uh, heavy flooding? Is that the cause for basically shutting down this water uh, cleaning plant or treatment plant? Or is there more to it than, than just that? You know, I, I think the, the, the flooding is one peg and in, in, in several different uh, possible causes or, or things that, you know, are affecting this. But I, what we're trying to figure out, and again, none of us are, are engineers, so we're trying to feel our way through as well. But the mayor said, and again, uh, I know he spoke today. I did not get a chance to hear his press conference, so he may have elaborated today. But what he said when we asked him, we looked at the plant and didn't see any visible signs of, of, of flooding uh, from the outside. We had a drone go up and we looked at that. Uh, what he said essentially was that the composition of the water changed. They usually get, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here to kind of illustrate. So on Google Earth, we're looking at, this is the Ross Barnett Reservoir. It's a 33,000 acre lake. This is the primary drinking water source for the citizens of Jackson. Uh, this water is pumped through and it is treated. Now the Obi Curtis water treatment plant is here. And of course, you can see there uh, the proximity to the reservoir and of course, uh, some of the tanks and various things that are used uh, to process the water as it comes through. What essentially happened uh, is that the composition changed. We believe it could have been from flooding from the Pearl River, which actually is located 
you know, you have a spillway uh, that actually controls the flow of rainwater that gets in the reservoir and controls to some degree uh, how high the Pearl River can go. It's believed that some of that either backfilled or something changed the composition of the water, at least from what we're hearing from the city. And you have to understand that we're not getting in the entire picture. There's sure. a lot of moving parts here. But that plant itself uh, that can process somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, I think it can process a maximum of 50 million gallons of water. Um, I don't know if that's a second or a day, but but that's sort of the cap. We're, it's, it's maybe processing at about a third that capacity at this point. Now, what I can tell you from, from our investigation is, uh, and, and we've done multiple investigations. We did a three-part water uh, series uh, in February of this year after we had a significant system collapse in February of 2021. Two winter storms hit Mississippi mm. uh, and actually hit the plant. And we had at one part, point in time where ice, frozen uh, parts of the plant, you can see that it was exposed there to the elements. And it resulted in no water for residents in the city for uh, a month. And so, you know, after we were able to get the, the system back up, city officials were able to come in and get that taken care of. Now we're at this point where uh, the mayor calls us in a continual state of emergency. He, you know, these things, we have needed uh, resources to be able to fix this. Uh, he's said that many times. And some of the difficulty here has actually tried to, to you know, get everybody on the same page to get the state to be able to help fund some of these issues. But then that turns political. And sure. that's another side to this. You know, you've got deferred maintenance for decades. You've got issues with revenues coming in that aren't matching what you need to be able to fix certain aspects of this treatment plan, other parts of the system. But then you also have a Democratic mayor uh, in a majority black city and a state that uh, its statewide elected officials uh, are Republican. The governor is Republican. And you have some instances where, and this is from lawmakers telling us this, that it's looked uh, on Jackson as, well, you know, they need to help themselves. They need to be able to take care of this. And it's because of a mismanagement from the administration that we're in this place, when in reality, it's a far more multifaceted issue than that. And, and we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars to mm -hmm fully address the system. I don't think the mayor has given a price tag on just what it would take to, to fully um, address the issues at the OB Curtis plant, but system-wide, uh, our analysis was, and this is before inflation from six months ago, so sure. who knows what it would be now, but somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.7 billion mm. to address all of those water and sewer needs across the capital city here. Yeah. I want to ask you about what Governor Tate Reeves is saying when he is asked about that price tag, but first I just want to go over um, the impact right now. So barely any drinking water in the city of about 167,000 people. Sounds like a lot of them are having to go off over drink bottled water. And even that is running low on supply in some cases. What about shower water or toilet water? How is all that impacted? It's it's all, uh, you know, again, again, it depends on your, as we said earlier, talking about pressure. You know, sure. even here at the station, we WLBT is, is in the city of Jackson. And we've had some pressure fluctuations here. We're still able to use um, our toilets here. But again, in the southern part of the city, you're going to see more of those uh, uh, people that are impacted, more of those residents who are impacted. The governor uh, has talked about setting up a distribution system of both potable and non-potable water. The non-potable, of course, to be used for flushing toilets and things of that nature. Uh, and, and potable water, of course, for drinking um, and, you know, washing dishes, things of that nature. But uh, all of that, what we've seen so far, uh, and again, I have not, I think he's scheduled to speak later today. Um, 
we've not seen a lot of that materialize yet. There have been a lot of water distribution efforts from the city, sure. uh, giving out cases of bottled water. And we're talking an immense uh, demand at this point. You're, you're talking uh, dozens and dozens of vehicles in line uh, wrapped around the block. I mean, uh, in some cases, running out of water in some of these locations very fast. And so the demand, the need is certainly there. And, and the governor mentioned that initially when he first addressed this uh, issue on Monday. He said Monday night that, you know, he's trying to figure out how to provide water for 180,000 people. Now he's He's, you know, uh, overestimating there, of course, because as you said, we're a little over 150, sure. but certainly trying to plan for that and get all those resources in. You know, MEMA uh, is coordinating a lot of that. Uh, I believe President Biden approved the federal disaster declaration that um, Governor Reeves requested yesterday. He, the president approved that this morning. And so hopefully that will get the wheels turning as well to be able to get some of those things. But again, you know, you're trying to address these issues that we have happening often. I mean, I, I keep bottled water in my home. I live in the city. A lot of residents try to do that as much as they can because they're used to this happening. But you, you have to, uh, it's such a, a massive problem that it's going to be a real challenge for these agencies to be able to meet that need. And meanwhile, residents are, as you can imagine, very frustrated. I mean, beyond frustrated at this point. And I wanna ask about those residents. Frustration is, is obviously and understandably very high right now in this city, but what about people just suffering from dehydration? Maybe people that can't afford bottled water. Have you seen reports, and this is still early, but of course, if this lingers in a very hot time of the year, is there concern about people suffering from dehydration or possibly even dying from not being able to get access to clean drinking water? I think that's a very viable, I mean, it's, it's a great point to bring up. Uh, yeah. I, I, we haven't seen anything like that. We haven't heard of any instances of that happening yet. Uh, I believe one of our reporters even today is looking at how um, those uh, elderly residents in our city are being affected right mm. now and, and how uh, people are trying to do their best to make sure that they have water. Uh, we've seen a lot of social media efforts uh, through uh, people who are uh, prominent Jacksonians, if you will, who have a, a pretty good social media presence locally who have taken it upon themselves to try to organize and get some of this bottled water. You know, if you call a number, you'll be able to get that, et cetera, so that it, it, it kind of exists beyond these distribution sites that, to your point, sometimes you know, if you're bedridden, if you have problems, you can't uh, get to that water and get what you need. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Thankfully, at this point, we've not seen any uh, any cases that we've been made aware of, of residents who have been dehydrated, certainly not anyone who's died uh, since this started. You know, I, I think back to when this happened in February of 2021. And again, it was cold then. It's much hotter now. Uh, and thankfully, we didn't have any deaths or, or any yeah. injuries um, from hospitalizations from, from that situation. It's unfortunately something that I've heard many people who have lived in the city for a long time. Unfortunately, you become a veteran of this. You become used to this and you become used to having to deal with this when it happens. But at this point, we're 33 or 34 days into a boil water alert. Uh, we were told by the governor, uh, by MEMA today, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, that we could expect more fluctuations in pressure because they are working on trying to get an emergency pump installed at the plant to push more water through to help with those pressure issues. And so uh, this is not going to be a short-term fix. Uh, it's certainly going to be challenging, and we'll continue to follow that. I think the most important thing is letting people know that if you know anybody yeah. who uh, doesn't have the means to be able to get out there, 
know, make sure you go by and check on them. It, it goes far beyond just, you know, checking on your neighbors, your elderly neighbors or your family members at this point. Uh, you need to be looking in their fridge. You need to be looking in their pantry and making sure they have enough water and enough because, you know, just to brush your teeth, you're not allowed to. Sure. What, what the state health department is saying is that you can bathe with it. You can wash your hands. Uh, you can wash clothes with it. That's about it. Everything else, you've got to use bottled water or, you know, boil your water first for at least a minute and then use it uh, when it comes to brushing your teeth, when it comes to washing vegetables to prepare uh, dinner, you know, so and that can get very expensive when you're talking about. Uh, and, and then when the areas that don't even have any water pressure, you have those kinds of issues where you've got to use bottled water uh, just to be able to, you know, stay clean, frankly. Now, the YMCA's locally, and you have to understand Jackson has a lot of bedroom communities around the city. The YMCA's in all those bedroom cities have offered uh, to provide free showers for students. You know, we have Jackson State University, HBCU. It's two miles from where our station's located, their main campus. You have Millsaps. It's a private college. Uh, you have... Um, you know, these areas where Bellhaven, a lot of students that don't have anywhere to really uh, go with dependable uh, showers and things of that nature, the YMCA is stepping out, uh, stepping up to let them be able to use their facilities to, to get through this time. And even I saw that, uh, you know, the Jackson State football team yeah. having issues when you're talking about players trying to practice for football games, but they can't get ice. Yeah. They can't get ice to be able to stay cool when they're practicing outside. So I don't think people realize just how essential a resource it is. Uh, and when you go from having something that we're used to, I, I hope that we weren't actually numb to, okay, this is just gonna be like every other time that we've had a boil water alert. And no, we're, we're talking at this point about seriously dire conditions with regard to pressure, with regard to getting the system back online. And uh, I think now that the state has stepped in, the question is going to be, uh, how much longer are we going to have to deal with it? The other thing I think is it's important to say, too, and I touched on it earlier, was that, you know, we, we almost have dueling press conferences each day. Uh, you'll have a press conference from the mayor. You'll have a press conference from the governor. Uh, I, I wonder sometimes, residents probably wonder the same thing, if we're ever going to see those guys on the same page, uh, on the same, in the same press conference, uh, to try to show that this is a joint effort and that these agencies are all working together. You know, we've got the Department of Health, the state's emergency management agency, the governor, and others trying to do everything they can. And, uh, the, you know, mayor said that he was grateful for all the help. Uh, but again, this is something that residents have dealt with for decades, uh, in some cases, as far as the system that has just been declining over time. It was almost on life support, if you will. And um, the flooding, I think, some of these things provided a perfect storm for for issues to uh, get incredibly dire very quickly. CJ, I think you hit um, almost every point we needed to touch upon, so thank you for all that great information. Uh, real quick, though, I want to ask about uh, hospitals. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing they maybe have some other system they use to get water in, or what about uh, those who are in very vulnerable positions at the hospitals? No, that's a very good point. And, and you know, I know that, and I'm trying to pull it up now to make sure that, uh, that I'm giving you the, the most accurate information here. Sure. Uh, to my knowledge, and we have, you know, Jackson's sort of a medical corridor, so you have several hospitals uh, in the capital city. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, most, if not all of them, have separate water systems, a separate water tank, and, uh, you know, because they've, they've been through this before. Um, one of the areas in the city, the Jackson Medical Mall, 
uh, had to basically uh, make some changes because they're an uh, air conditioning system, uh, which is, you know, runs on, it's a chiller, so it uses water. It, it shut down because of the low water pressure. Uh, you have some areas that are having to deal with that. So it's a little bit different way of affecting it. It's not really affecting their, their water per se, but it's affecting their air conditioning. And, you know, you can't function like that, especially when we're seeing these hot days. And, and so that's something that uh, dialysis unit at the medical mall I'm seeing here running off a tanker that was brought in overnight. So that's one aspect of, of what we're seeing. The good news is that it doesn't seem to be negatively affecting patients yet, that there okay. seem to be resources uh, coming in that, uh, that are providing, uh, you know, uh, bridging that gap, if you will. Uh, because again, we have the state's largest uh, research hospital is here. Uh, you have a lot of patients that are seen. Uh, we're the only level one trauma unit here. So anybody that has critical care conditions, they're flown or driven to Jackson. And so you want to make sure, to your point, that all that is, uh, is running smoothly. And from what we can tell so far at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, which was that level one trauma facility at Baptist and others, we're not seeing, uh, you know, if they are having significant problems, they're not telling us about it. And so hopefully it stays that way. No, that's a good clarification. I'm glad you brought up the Jackson uh, State football team earlier. Uh, Mr. Primetime himself, Deion Sanders, their head coach, he's been one of the more outspoken people about this, um, sharing a lot of images and, and being a, a very fo uh, focal point of this, this crisis you're facing right now. So it's been fascinating to watch what he has to say. Well, CJ, anything else we should know? We've covered a lot of ground here from the crisis, the possible cause, the political aspect, how it's impacting people. Anything else we should know before we let you go here? I think it's important. And, you know, th this was something that the governor, you know, had, they've mentioned it before. And the governor has been very, he's not been Monday morning quarterbacking, if you will, um, lately, whenever he's been talking about the conditions in the city that have gotten to this point. But I think people are going to come away from this and think, oh, it's simply mismanagement or, oh, it's simply this. There's a lot of neglect. We did uh, most recently had an investigation earlier this month where we looked at the lack of operators at this particular plant, the OB Curtis water treatment plant. And, you know, so state and federal law requires, the Safe Drinking Water Act requires that a class A operator be on call at all times uh, in these water treatment plants. And our investigation found that based on timesheets sent to the EPA uh, when they were looking into these staffing shortages, that there were 153 hours in a 30-day period where there were no Class A operators on duty. Of course, the mayor came back and, and refuted that and, and, and tried to provide some clarification, but did not provide any concrete evidence to show that there was somebody working during those gaps. But it shows some of the things that, that, that we're talking about here. When somebody's not watching what's going on, it takes longer to realize when something's a problem. When you have staffing shortages, and we've seen staffing shortages across the country, uh, that particularly affects us here because that, be that becomes then you're uh, not only in a state uh, form of noncompliance, but you're not complying with federal law as well. So it's not something that's going to be solved overnight. These are going to be some long conversations, but it's not something that also happened overnight, yeah. if, if you will. Um, I think some of this actually happened. Our research has found even back during the Reagan administration, uh, you know, the city of Jackson, for example, we have a, a sewage treatment plant that was actually built, mostly built with federal funds, uh, EPA grants, if you will, 75% match. After the Reagan administration, uh, basically those grant programs dried up, if you will, and they were offering low interest loans. And so a lot of cities that had built these kinds of structures then had to rely on revenue 
to be able to make up the difference to maintain them and would have to be on the hook for low interest loans and couldn't always pay those back. And that had a significant impact on Jackson. Jackson had to raise water and sewer rates, which meant that you had fewer customers that wanted to pay. And, you know, so there is a multitude of reasons as to why we are where we are at this point. Uh, and there are instances where the city's administration should have been hiring folks faster and, and probably could have done more. I'm hoping at this point, when we get everything, uh, you know, when the state comes in and assesses everything, when they get on the same page, it's, you hope that we find a solution and there's not as much finger pointing as there is, okay, well, we're going to take care of it. We just want, don't want it to happen again. Because at the end of the day, uh, people who live and work in the capital city, um, they don't want to deal with this yeah. anymore. And when it becomes a public health risk, then you have an issue where, you know, uh, we don't have any cases of people getting sick from the water or, or, to your point, dehydrated. But my goodness, if that starts happening, what do we do then? Yeah. C.J. LeMaster, investigative reporter for WLBT in Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you for your time and knowledge. C.J., really appreciate all you do and your coverage on this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.